Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I cannot change what I do not accept. As I accept it, I change it. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And I've got a cold, so if I sneeze... <laughs> Jane's like, what are you working on, Rebecca? I said, upper limits, upper limits. It's all right. <laughs> My body. May this be the last cold that you re- you have for many, many, many years to come. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, crap those upper limits. We'll see what happens. Today we're going to talk about self-acceptance because uh, we had um, a message on Facebook a while back, actually, but it's, it's quite interesting because she put, I'd love to hear a podcast uh, with both of your views on self-acceptance. I struggle deeply with this and keep coming back to self-love, which is also something I'm working on. But then through this work, I come back to self-acceptance. It's like a circle. And it's interesting, isn't it, Jane? Because, of course, we've done shows on self-worth. We've done shows on self-love. You know, we've, we talk a lot about self-belief. They're all very intricately linked, but they are actually different vibrations and different emotional blocks that can come up within us, aren't they? So how do you define self-acceptance as being different from, say, the, the, the worth issues or the, the self-love issues? I think you have to have self-acceptance before you can then get to self-worth, which then gets to self-love. So it's the very, so it's first, like the very step. first step, I think. Oh. I think this is fabulous that we've had this suggested because we kind of jumped through that hoop and just went straight to the self-love, which we did first, and then we backpedaled and went, oh, hang on, let's do self-worth, and now we're backpedaling again to let's do self-acceptance. Back to the kindergarten basics, which is what we were talking about in that, in that episode yeah, the other week. Like, weeks, yeah. Sometimes you just got to go back to the building blocks. Yeah. And in this case, self-acceptance is quite a simple concept, but it's deep stuff too. Well, the thing, you know, we've talked about on podcasts before where you either accept or reject. You don't sit in tolerance. Because tolerance is the ticking time bomb of anything. You can't sustain tolerance long term. You can sustain it for a certain period of time, and that time will vary depending on what it is that you're tolerating. But at some point, that that you are tolerating is going to blow up in your face where you either accept or reject. That's right. And so, therefore, what is it that you are tolerating within yourself that you need to come to an acceptance or maybe a rejection? But the rejection, therefore, isn't self-love. And so we have to come to a point of acceptance of who we are, what we are. Yeah. This is quite personal to me. So I'm going to share quite a personal story, really. Oh, goody. <clears throat> Let's clear all the snot out and off we go. <laughs> Maybe it's because, nice. of, because of this that I have the snot. I don't know. So, like, through my, a lot of my own digging around and self-work, um, one, of the, one of the shifts that I've had is in looking at my father and how the male how how the male gender raised me, you know, as in my male role, my primary male role model uh, figure, um, imprinted on me. And so he loves me, but was raised in that 1950s backdrop of um, no hugs, no affection, no cuddles, and certainly no words of affirmation. No, not not words of affirmation, but just it doesn't say I love you. Uh, you know, not not very protective even. Just sort of like left me to fend for myself a bit, which. You could view under the, the, the guise of, yeah, he just goes with the flow and he's very accepting and tolerant of me or whatever and just lets me do what I want. But then every little girl kind of doesn't want that from a dad. She sort of wants someone who's sort of her warrior in a way, I think. Um, 
I can't generalize that. That's what I wanted from my childhood. And I realize that now as a 35-year-old. So what happens to 35-year-old Rebecca when she trots out in a single life? Well, 35-year-old Rebecca, uh, and bearing in mind that this is the father who's a scientific skeptic atheist, and 35-year-old Rebecca is a full-time working psychic. <laughs> Very complex situation. Right. So so if we boil down my father figure, my father issues, it's um, not being seen for who I really am which means I'm not really accepted for being – see, for me, being a psychic isn't a hat that I put on and go to work and I come home. It's not an identity I can just shed or a job I can just get get rid of. Being a psychic isn't the fabric of my atoms. Like, it's it's the cells of my being. It's, you know, Jane, it's – it's. I do. It's actually identical for the HSP person who's right. told to take a bucket of cement and toughen up. It's like, no, this is who I am. It's who I actually am. I'm just very, very blessed to be able to actually make money from being who I am in this lifetime. Jumping around a bit here. So anyway, so when you have a father who's deeply uncomfortable with this concept and hence there's this deep sort of an energy that's never been spoken but has always been intuitively felt around you're not really good enough or accepted for being who you are, what does that look like when you go out in real life and start playing it out in your dating relationships? I'll give you three guesses. Jane, what does it look like? (laughs) Have you seen women like this? Uh, Just once or twice. Just once or twice? Oh, you, you share yours and then I'll share mine. What, what, what happens Well, if a parent doesn't accept you? You start seeking validation externally. You're incredibly vulnerable to the first boy that comes along and makes you feel fantastic. You're very needy. And it does not matter how they show you the attention. And so hence, people with low self-worth through seeking of external love from a man to prove their worth are going to attract all sorts of horrendous dramas into their life. Yeah. You know, that it's at the root of a lot of domestic violence, uh, at the root of emotional abuse, um, controlling. Now, those are know, deeper self-worth issues, though. But Yeah, but it still will come, often can come, that will play out right. coming from somebody that is seeking the, the love from a male, yeah. from the daddy figure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell what happens. Because they'll take it however they can, just give me the attention, whatever it is, I need it. Yeah, that's me a bit. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm too consciously aware to be awful about it. However, I'll tell you what happens in my situation because I've only just figured out this pattern. The last five men I've had any deeper connection with that could have gone somewhere, every single one of them, the minute I got slightly vulnerable slash emotional, and why emotional? I don't mean I, I had this huge fight and cried and screamed. I just mean I just showed them the depth of kind of who I am and how deeply I can think and how I like to question and, you know, my intuitive Showing self. your emotional intelligence. Yeah, I, I just sort of showed that that I'm not just your average chick kicking around. I'm a bit more eccentric than that. <laughs> Every single one of them has ghosted on me. They've vanished overnight. One of them just, well, the two of them just, no, all of them never spoke to me again, but quite dramatically. Not like it just trailed off, not like you had a conversation about it and decided to end things. I'm talking one day they're talking to you and the next day they're gone. And it's like they've died because you're right in the middle of something. Is that because you are so evolved and so consciously aware is that you're wanting to go from stage one to stage four in 2.5 seconds. But that's that's the neediness as well. That's right. And that's that's what Jane's talking about. So what I'm saying is my lack of being able to accept who I am in the presence of men. See, I don't have a problem with this with women. That's fine, very comfortable. And it's not just men because you don't have a problem with that with men that you, you know, friends, husbands or male clients or um, Correct. co-workers. It is just men that you are looking at romantically. It's love interests. Yeah. 
I have a deep-seated belief that they don't accept me for who I am. Where did I get that belief from? A parent. Where do all of you get your self-acceptance, self-worth, self-love beliefs from? Pick a parent. You'll know which one it is. Sometimes it's both, but you can usually have one come through stronger. Oh, yeah, got that from mum. Oh, that's totally my dad. He taught me that when I was six. Like, I'm I- just adding here to you. I, I have mentioned this before, but I think it was like, you know, probably nearly two years ago. Um, because... We've been going for over two years. Yeah, we to mention that. Have we, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what happens with the firstborn child will typically play out the emotional story of the father. The secondborn will play out the emotional story of the mother. The third will play out the emotional story of the marriage, of the parents' marriage. And the fourth will play out the emotional story of the family. So, often if I have somebody that comes to me and says, you know, Jane, does love really exist? Do you really think I could meet someone and actually have a relationship? I'm not sure actually anybody really has a happy relationship. Then I will often look at, okay, did you have the divorced parents scenario? And then look at which parent it was that experienced what in that breakup and they will usually be the corresponding child. And what you just to let people know if they come from really large families, if you're the fifth child, it reverts back to the father, but with a lack of love because there's just not enough to go around. The sixth goes to the mother. The seventh to it the parents. Keeps and it cycling keeps cycling around. That's Do you right. know about adoptions or if a child dies? It's how they're actually living within the family. So blended families. So this is where it's tricky when you have blended families. You know, if two people get together and they've both got children from previous relationships, then. Um, so a child might have been living as the number one child and playing out the story of the father and then father and mother split and then father has a new partner who's got children that then come in and suddenly he's the third child. Yeah. It changes, so it gets very intricate. And I'm giving a very simplified version of this. There's lots of books written on this if you're interested in it that you can research and study it much further. But it's just a really good little point to help you to look at where is my stuff coming from once you can identify it from a particular parent, sometimes you can just let it go based on that as being, you know what, it's not my stuff. And I'm so I'm here sitting here thinking I'm an only child, so I'm my father, I'm the first mm-hmm. born and the only yep. born. And, you know, to use Byron Katie's fantastic work where she takes whatever statement is your supposed belief and then she turns it back around on yourself. So if my dad doesn't accept me, what that actually probably means for him is that he doesn't accept himself. And there's, and there's got to be some forgiveness that comes in here where I let go of the story. I let go of being the victim. I let go of all of that history and I just say, okay, I got it. I need to accept myself and, you know, to really bring in the vibration of having men see me for who I really am for the first time. And it's very uncomfortable if for 35 years I've never really known what that feels like. I haven't known. And so it's going to be baby steps to then, you know, and I'm saying this talking about me to try and educate everybody. So if this is your story or if you've got a parallel, you've got to take very baby steps in as Jane would say, gathering your proof. So you very gently begin to put yourself in situations where you test your self-acceptance. Um, you put yourself with safe people who you know. For, so, for example, like Jane would say to me, well, go hang out with some of your wives' husbands, not hang out with your wives' husbands, but, you know, just spend time around normal, balanced, healthy, lovely blokes who are happy to chat to you for hours about stuff over a glass of wine at dinner and and just sit in their energy for a bit you know go to a male masseuse or just just hang out with some holistic spiritual guys and just you don't have to be attracted to them but just soak up what it feels like to be you and be safe and comfortable and confident being you because the statement of also that you know my father doesn't accept me is that true do you know that that is true yeah exactly and katie (laughs) byron works sorry will say no 
That's not true. Yeah. Most statements that you make that involve another person, if you ask yourself the question, is that, do I absolutely know that to be the truth? The answer will usually be no. Right. It's because just, we don't know. It's just my We're concocted assuming. version, my Correct. story, my filter, my take on it. It's, yeah, it's Correct. my story. It's your little inner child throwing a tanty. Yeah. You know, and that's it. So get in there, love mm-hmm. her. So you've got your inner game and your outer game. So your inner game is to to do the love, do the acceptance first. We'll get back more onto some tools with with first step acceptance. But the second thing too is to then test that acceptance, as Beck said. So you put yourself in that safe environment and you just ensure that it, you're not attached to the outcome. Now, you see, you become attached to the outcome when you are emotionally vulnerable. So in the dating world, you meet some guy that you think is cute and really nice. You're suddenly invested in the outcome. So that's why I think it's really important to sit around with people like with Beck. I said, you know, sit with some of her friends, husbands, you know, and, and engage in a more, in a vulnerable conversation without actually attachment to the outcome. It doesn't actually matter because you know that they accept you and like you, but it's, it's when we are invested in the outcome that you don't want to get to that point until you are rock solid in your acceptance. Yeah. Have I just gone round in full circle or did that actually make sense? No, I mean, I'm totally following. I'm nodding, nodding along. <laughs> Good, thanks. Um, so acceptance of self is actually identifying the shadow parts of you that you really actually disown and don't. So refer you also to our shadow side podcast. Um, so it's, it's finding something about yourself that you actually really don't like about yourself. It could be a behavior, a personality trait. It could be a physical thing. It could be a habit. And you kind of got to accept it, you know, and as you accept it, that the reason that you do this is it's the gift you give to yourself. Yeah. It's like forgiveness. Acceptance is very, very closely related to forgiveness. And so. What is it that we can, we have to accept about ourselves? Now, if we start with the physical, there's going to be things that we don't like about ourselves. The way to embrace that is by finding what it is you don't like and finding a positive spin on it. So, for example, I think I've given examples of massive breasts. Jane's got huge <laughs> breasts. If I had some of what Jane's got, I would be so happy. Oh, see, I, would I don't accept my breasts. Share them, I'll share them around. There you go. But, um, you know, and so I celebrate that because we're always this way. That was breastfeeding and I was a, a breastfeeding machine. Uh, and I'm so grateful yeah, for but that. Mine got Why'd yours get bigger? Well, some get smaller, some get bigger, <laughs> whatever. I know, oh, I know. Funny geez. story. So I, I ended up with, um, size F breasts when I was pregnant. I'd gone from a C. No bra was dancing, was, you know, they were perky, fabulous little things or nice things to an F. And my milk hadn't come in yet. And that the, uh, I was advised that when the milk comes in, that you could go up another size. Now, back in those days, G didn't exist in Australia. You had to get them from England, which would take forever to get them here. So I had some drag queens on standby who made bras for, they would make these gorgeous bras that they would then sequin up and whatever with dresses and put all their chicken fillets in. 
I had them on standby to make me maternity bras in size G if it happened. I wasn't expecting when I woke up this morning to be talking about this on Love Life, but keep going, Jane. <laughs> anyway, they didn't. They they stayed at F, so that was, there we go. Uh, and one of my dancers actually came in and gave me a gift of maternity bras that were fully sequined. Oh, my fully God. Fully sequined, like a showgirl's top. Just, it was hilarious. Just what every baby wants. So I waited until my obstetrician came to visit, and I sat up in bed with my sequined Ta-da! bras on. Now I had a hospital birth, and I could hear I could hear all the nurses outside going, "When you go in the room, they're just on the right hand side." And all coming in to find excuses to see this hilarious sequence of dirty this bra. So these boobs went on, and then of course the milk leaves, and then they drained, and they're flat and floppy, and you know there really was something that I felt really uncomfortable about. So I had to get comfortable with accepting this. I found some awesome role models of women that have qualities that I really admire, who I consider to be incredibly beautiful in their way, that were really big-breasted. And I went, look at them. They're fabulous. They're great. That's that, like, baby first steps of acceptance. Mm. It's so interesting. The minute we get into bodies, everyone's got something. And it's so, you know, yeah, everybody has something. Here you are talking about person. boobs. So I walked around my whole life thinking my boobs are too small. My boobs are too small. If I was a guy, I'd feel totally ripped off if I ended up with Rebecca. Because, no, Jane's pointing at me like, what are you talking about? This is called a padded bra, Jane. Oh, is it Don't you know? Great. There's nothing under there. Anyway, and then finally, just I'm telling you, like, 14 days ago, I actually thought to myself, Rebecca, where did you get that belief from? And I thought about it and I went, it's my mum. I can remember my mum and auntie standing in the change rooms trying on clothes when I was little watching them and my mum complaining that she had no breasts. And I've just taken that on. Yep, break the cycle before Charlotte starts talking about it. Absolutely. Which is Beck's beautiful little little daughter. My four-year-old girl. So, And isn't it amazing that was such a lightning bolt for me and ever since then I've been turning around the thought. So every time I, I, you know, my gaze flickers down to the the fried eggs on my... (laughs) the ironing board chest I'm just I'm starting to reframe it and I'm starting to catch myself and of course we talk about this all the time because it's not to be underrated conscious awareness yes if you have a self-acceptance issue on anything be it a body feature be it a personality trait be an eccentric quirk that you have be it a lisp be it something that your mum's hammered into your head whatever your thing is it is about owning it but to get to that step it's about catching yourself Catching yourself when you're hating on yourself for it. Catching yourself when you're self-flagellating, self-abusing, yelling at yourself for something that probably you can't help or change. And that's the problem with a lot of self-acceptance stuff. A lot of it is stuff that we cannot change. I had a beautiful teenager put up her hand and ask me during a session, you know, when I was talking to these young kids about these pretty big concepts, and kids can get it, you know, and I was talking to them about the the need to just accept yourself. And she said, what if it's something that you can't change, like, mental illness. I was, like, momentarily flawed. They were like, okay, just give me a minute. <laughs> just, just have to process that one. Um, and, you know, yeah, sometimes it is going to be something very big and, 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 and very ugly, for lack of a better word, something like the real shadow stuff. The spiritual Rebecca wants to come out at this juncture and say, I'd be asking yourself, why did I put up my hand to have this? In, my, in this lifetime. You know, some people have a huge, what do they call it, red wine birthmark stain right on the front of their face. Mm-hmm. Some people are born with one leg. I don't know, six fingers. Like people have their own stuff, you know. Some stuff is is maybe a really obvious physical thing or maybe they're homosexual and they can't accept themselves because their dad can't accept them. Whatever it is for you that you can't change, um, the point is why did you put up your hand in this lifetime? I love this. So we've got the inner game. We've got the outer game and we've got the upper game. The upper game is 
what are you here to learn? What's it here to teach you? What's the gift? And once you can identify what that is, ask yourself, and how am I going with that lesson so far? Because you'll probably find you're coming up pretty short. Actually, it's interesting you say that because let's go back to my huge breasts was that I can remember let's being... talk about your huge breasts today. Yes, <laughs> again. I can remember being, you know, 21, 22 and, you know, dancing in nightclubs and stuff like that. And whenever I'd meet guys, I used to always get... I used to get so tired of them staring at my cleavage. And I can remember that I used to put my hand under their chin and tip their eyes up. Wow. Oh, I was quite forward and quite aggressive. And I can remember one night that some guy was just staring at my chest. So I started staring at his groin and he got very uncomfortable very quick. So I was mirroring people all the time to do my little passive aggressive lessons. <laughs> but it bothered me a lot. And yet here I am with them even bigger. You know, it's like I have that lesson to accept that yeah and just go well how people see me is their prerogative it's irrelevant how I choose to try and make them feel is my responsibility so there is that soul lesson absolutely but let's get back to even smaller steps though yeah basic tools so coming right back what are we going to do if it's Mm -hmm. something that you really can't accept about yourself then we're going to chunk it down and you're going to find five minutes of accepting it and then you might have 23 hours and 55 minutes of not accepting it. But the next day you're going to have another five minutes of sitting there and consciously accepting it. And we're just going to keep going to start to channel into the subconscious mind to start to change that story. So if you really struggle to be able to accept, then you're going to have to do some high-level repetition work to try and unprogram what you've programmed. I think it could be very powerful as well to go to someone you trust and sit down with them and say, listen, I'm really struggling with accepting X, Y, Z about myself. Can you talk that out with me, shine a different light on it, tell me how you see it from your perspective so that I can have a bit nice. of a, a cool moment with it, you know? Because isn't that interesting? Somebody else's perspective, they could so quite likely see it as a gift or not even see it in you. Yeah. That yeah. is wonderful. But we can never see our own stuff. Like even this morning I had a client, God bless her, she's probably listening, hello, and she said, she said, yeah, but what have I got to give that's so special, Rebecca? Have I really got anything? You have no idea what this girl's background in background is. And I was like, darling, like, okay, let, just for a moment, I'm going to hold up a mirror and I'm going to tell you what I see. I've only known you for 35 minutes on Skype, but I'm going to tell you what I see here and you need to really own this because you're very powerful. You know, we can't. We I do this with my clients all the we time. It's amazing. Our own stuff. When we can mm-hmm. see their higher selves and you give them the description and one by one quality, I'll say, well, I can see that you're very kind. Is that true? And they squirm a bit and they go, yes, it is actually true. I see that you're very gentle. I see you're loyal, trustworthy, whatever, you know, and I rule off whatever it is that I see. They just shine. Yeah. And we have to start owning this stuff. And so we, I love this exercise. But we have to have these conversations with ourselves as well. So if your self-acceptance particular thorn in your side, whatever it is, if it comes up during the course of a day, I want you to recognize that really probably what's coming up is your, it's back to the inner child stuff, it's your little child self who's saying, oh, I feel nervous, I feel blocked, I, I feel scared, I feel insecure about that, I don't, I don't think I can do that because I don't accept that part of me or I don't think I'm good enough or whatever that is. And that's where you have to have the conversation where you say, why shouldn't you have that? Why don't you deserve that? You do own that, girlfriend, or whatever it is that you need to, to back yourself with. I had an experience only last night where I had a conversation with somebody that I actually came away and felt that kind of cringeworthy, a little bit of embarrassment about how I'd handled myself. Right. 
And I just went, what? And my talk to self-talk was, why do you do that? Why do you do that all the time? Now, that's a very old pattern to have said that because actually I haven't done it for a long time, what happened. Yet they wouldn't even be aware of it. It was just me being aware of my emotions that were going into the conversation. And then I just went, you know what, Jane? You don't do it all the time. Stop beating yourself up. Accept that that's what happened and believe that the universe will, believe that the universe will give you another opportunity to be able to replay a conversation or reconnect, not replay conversation, but reconnect with that particular person for you to show who you really are. You know, you get another chance. You don't just get one go. So if it's a behavioral thing that you've got some sort of habit, don't beat yourself up. You get plenty of opportunities. The universe always comes around again and again and again on any given topic or theme for you to continue to practice and grow and get better at it. And, you know, if there's any of you out there, haha, there's lots of us, who are out there looking at a certain area of our life or maybe multiple areas of our lives and wondering, why am I so blocked? Why can't I, you know, progress in this area? Why can't I see the wood for the trees? I don't know what to do or, or whatever it is. Maybe go back to a bit of the old self-acceptance, having a look at, at what that, that is. It might be a hidden, like, jigsaw piece, like, to the puzzle um, because it's, it's, again, it's a different way to frame it. Your average person out there in business doesn't say, why didn't I make this month's budget? Maybe I've got a self-worth issue. You know, the average person is not thinking that way. Now, you guys are more switched on and you can look at, you know, we refer you always back to episode 100, the upper limits, the genius zone. You can look at where you're holding yourself back according to how much you believe that you're worth or how much you believe that you deserve. And if we slide the self-acceptance in, in underneath this, um, it just sort of throws a bit of a, another spin on it. Maybe it's a case of, I'm too scared to chase my dream career or write that book or do that course or spend that money because with the self-acceptance, it's like I actually don't think I'm I'm worth being there or people will listen to me or I'm good enough. Or I, I know this is very close to self-worth, isn't it, Jane? Yeah, it is, but the, it's just another way of getting to whether it's acceptance or worth or love. All of the tools are going to work on any three are, on any of the three areas yeah. of wherever you're at. But you can move very quickly from self-acceptance to self-worth very quickly. Yeah. But one of the things that you can do to identify a block of acceptance is the tool that is used for self-worth, but this is to identify the block, is that write your dream, write it down in great detail of what it feels like, and then sentence by sentence sit in that vibration of what it feels like and see if you actually can accept that in your life and the bit that you can't then look at the shadow side of that and go there's your block there's the part of acceptance and then as you learn to accept that you go back to the sentence and you re-sit in that vibration of it occurring and see if you now go I do accept this I can feel it yeah I can really feel this happening and guess what it's fit for me yeah so you can go for your dreams you can go for your goals And, you know, as we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, the seagulls that Bob Proctor talks about, those goals that make you squirm, that get you out of your comfort zone, because they're the goals that are going to expand you as a person. And why does that's the only reason that we have goals is to expand. So you have the goal that makes you uncomfortable, but then you sit in the bit that's uncomfortable and think, why don't I feel worthy of that? What is it that I don't accept about myself to allow that in? then go for the shadow side, then do the work, get the healing, go back to the goal and get your stuff. I've just thought of a hypothetical, Jane, and I want to know what you think. Sometimes when they do reality shows or um, 
uh, you know, self-improvement shows or they, they, they feature people who usually have obviously quite bad self-worth and self-esteem. They want to go get plastic surgery. They want a nose job. They want something fixed yeah. or changed. Now, sometimes the people will rarely, but sometimes they'll say, you know what? I've done all my work on this. I've healed my past with my father. I've gotten over all of that, but I still want it anyway. I still want bigger breasts anyway, or I still want my nose done anyway. What do you think, Joan? That's such an interesting one because <clears throat> should they need to? No, if they really have no, done the work. No, should they need to? No, they shouldn't. No. However, is that going to is that going to be the catalyst to them actually moving into a greater version of themselves? I don't know. I'm not like I'm. I am not at all a fan of plastic surgery outside of reconstructive surgery. Oh, look, it, I don't know. It's, I'm shadowy on this. I'm really shadowy because I think that sometimes a, a, a child who's been born with a big nose, a big honker, and they've been teased their whole life and they've never managed to even get any of the groundwork of self-worth because they were never given the opportunity because of this nose, if they fix their nose and it makes them feel beautiful, they can start to tread the world in a different social arena with a different sense of self-worth, they can start to do more work on themselves. I totally Sometimes it can be the catalyst. I believe what you're saying, but there's part of me that goes, yeah, but why'd you put up your hand to have that big nose and all that bullying in the first yeah, place? Because there I was lessons, soul lessons there, and you've got to show up for those lessons. Because as you and I know, we've done the episodes on the guy that didn't have the arm and totally accepted himself, and everyone else accepted him as well. I didn't have a problem with it. You know, yeah, you meet a gorgeous yeah. person in a wheelchair. If they totally accept themselves, they'll meet the hottest guy at the party and marry him. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. Food for thought, anyway. I cannot change what I do not accept. As I accept it, I change it. And that is the power we're talking about here. You can change your reality and it starts within. If you want to change your reality and you need a little bit more help, you go to lovelifeshow.com where Jane and I have tools, resources, tips, events, books, online courses and coaching and counselling available for all of you. And until this time next week, we love you all very much. We want you all deeply to accept yourselves at the deepest possible level and have a really fabulous one. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.